0: Malateli, Aguero oh, I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. Gavin
1: keeps it. Skill on goal, look at that pass. go goal, Donovan. Well, things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross and dead sees tonight again! And Donovan has scored! Oh, can
2: you believe this? Go, go, USA! This is the beautiful game. Oh, Described by two uglies. Stupendous. Welcome to Bone and Beam United.
1: This is a thing of genius.
0: Happy Soccer Podcast Hey, What is up? I am Bone. And I am Beam. And we have got so much to get into today. It is Black and Gold Week here in Columbus. It is, of course, the start of the Columbus Crews 2022 campaign and Lower.com Field on Saturday, 3.30, taking on the Vancouver Whitecaps. Beam and I will be there. Yep. We are going to be doing a post-game show after the game at the pub. They're keeping it open just for you and me, Beamer. It's so a get dangerous to a live... game
1: to play by them. You know that?
0: I know. I know it is. They they were nervous. When I went over and met with them, they were like, so how long is this going to be? And I was like, as long as we want. And you better keep those taps flowing Mm -hmm. because Beam and I are going to need something to drink one way or the other. But yeah, we are going to be out there right after the game. You can hear it on The Fan locally. You can hear it on 971thefan.com. You can podcast it after it's all done here, wherever you're getting your podcast. But you can also join us there after the game. So come to the game, watch the game, watch the crew get a big victory, and then hang out with us afterwards. We, though, Beam, before we do anything else, we thought instead of us... Two two reasonably dumb people previewing the Columbus Crew season. By
1: reasonably dumb, you mean very dumb. Yes. Very very nice way to say it by you.
0: Yes. Reasonably, sure. That's a nice way. Mm -hmm. We thought, let's talk to an expert. Let's talk to someone who's been there, done that, knows the crew as well as anyone in the world, and someone who is, of course, in the circle of honor with the crew. One of only three men who can say that. He is also, of course, a U.S. men's national team legend and a multiple-time champion of Major League Soccer, including in 2008 with the Columbus Crew. He is Frankie Hadick, the dude. Frankie, what's up, buddy? What's going on, bros? How you guys doing? We're good, man. We are uh, hyped up. As uh, Anthony Schlegel, who Mm. is uh, a big friend of the radio station, former Buckeye, likes to say, we've got some juice going today. We're excited. We're ready for uh, the new season. How are you feeling, man?
2: I'm feeling good. I already got my happy juice in my hand right now. It's a uh, you know little uh, you know it's the black it's black and gold. I got one black drink in my hand and one gold drink in my hand already. So I'm ready to go, guys. And (laughs) man, I've been running around town and high fiving people. Everyone's just getting excited. So pumped for the season. You know, it's a little bit early this year, but man, the earlier the better. So it it's been really cool uh, just getting around, seeing everybody again. You know, everyone kind of goes into hibernation right after the season ends and. Um, this year the hibernation wasn't as long so that's so cool for me and I think all for all crew fans and uh, the city's already buzzing man I can't wait
1: it really is buzzing, Frankie, and I mean, you've just, I just want to ask you too, have you and Anthony Schlegel ever been in the same room together? Because juice cup overfloweth with your two energy, like, my God, that would be quite the sight to behold, but, uh, you know, you, I think, you, I think you would just hear two
2: people just screaming back and forth. We wouldn't really hear each other and just, no one could hear anything, but if you entertainment.
1: <laughs> absolutely it would so excited about the season obviously uh with the world cup being played in cutter uh coming up here november december uh the timetable got shifted on the start of the season any impact on the team i mean from your perspective i know us fans love it because we get earlier soccer and it's going to be cold and might need a couple of layers of beer to keep us warm through the match uh, of course on saturday anything to do with the players though does it does it uh, take them out of their rhythm a little bit to get the season going um, you know,
2: especially this season, I don't think so. Just because, you know, how the season ended a little bit bitter last year and in terms of not making the playoffs and the year before, how great it went with, with winning the cup and everything, um, I think the guys are ready to get back out there and go, you know. Um, especially now, you know, that, these guys, they, they get a certain amount of time off, and they're ready to go right when they, when the season comes. So it doesn't really matter, um, you know, how early the season starts. Especially, I would say this year for these guys because they're they're ready to prove. I think what what happened last year was a fluke.
0: Yeah. So a lot of things that happened last year included, you know, tons of injuries for this team, which is something that you know you have to weather in MLS. But not a lot of teams have to weather all the different wow. injuries that the crew kind of went through there. Um, one of the things that I think is a huge storyline coming into this is the health of that, you know, the two defensive midfield positions. Obviously, Darlington Nagby was relatively healthy all last year, and he he's great, but, you know, losing two of the guys that were going to be considered or, or, you know, counted on in Aiden Morris, of course, in our tour, now both guys seem to be healthy. They seem to be good to go. How's that going to change things for this team to have – all three of those guys back together again in whatever combinations Caleb Porter wants to deploy, how big is that going to be for this team?
2: Well, I think you saw, you know, once those guys went down uh, with their whatever injuries last year, you saw the, a, a big dip in, in the central midfield and a big dip uh, kind of in uh, Zellarine's play uh, as well. Um, so uh, having those guys back, you know, uh, of course, uh, you know, with Aiden, the, the year that he had uh, and how he was growing, and that final that he had, and shutting the people down, and Artur being that um, two way midfielder, number eight, up and down, constant worker, great with the ball, great distributing the ball, and, and with like aid in winning the ball. Both are ball winners, and you need that with a guy like Zellerine ahead of them because that just opens up everything for him. The, the less defensive responsibilities we can give to uh, Zellerin, um the, the better he can just go off offensively. And with Artur and, and, and Aiden now back and healthy, um you know, you've kind of seen in the preseason uh, what it is. And they ended the last game with a great, great preseason run, 4-0 game. And I think you're going to see that heading into the season.
1: It's going to be awesome on Saturday against Vancouver. Very excited about that. Walk us through uh just your feelings, anticipation. You guys obviously, I mean, you worked so hard in the lead-up to the season, right? Um, so preseason training, it's all done. When you walk in, and I know that you didn't get to experience this as a player, you walk into the LDC, Lower.com field. That place is buzzing. What's What's the experience like, Frankie? Because, I mean, T-Bone and I have never walked out in front of a crowd like that. Um, just, you know, the, the emotions that you're going through preseason again in the books, um, nerve level, anything that stuck out to you on your multiple opening days that you got to participate in?
2: Man, I, I was just amped up. You know, right when you hit that field and you you feel those fans and that energy and you hear the Nordic, we love you, we love you, we love you, and where you go we'll follow. You know, that that energy that those guys are singing, I mean, your heart just starts racing right away. And for me, I, I mean, it, it was a day that I couldn't wait for because you, you give everything you have in preseason. You're so sick of doing the triple days and double days and all that. You just want to get back on the field and show your fans the product and show what you've done in the preseason, how hard you worked, you know, not only for yourself and your team, but for them, too, and you want to show them what you've been doing, so the energy level that you get out there, I always said, people were saying, you know, were you nervous? Were you? I was like, my nerves were turned into complete amps (laughs) right when I stepped on that field, and my heart started beating, and often during the National Anthem, you could see me, I'm I'm bouncing up and down, and you go through so many emotions at that time, you know, you're thinking about all your ex-coaches, all your ex-players, all the Players you used to play with it aren't weren't able to get in that moment uh, maybe for for some reason and you start thinking everything starts going through your head and then all of a sudden the national anthem ends and you look up and everyone's just rocking and that's the point where um you know the this when the energy level pretty much is at an 11 I mean you're you're as ready as you can go often in in the games the first 10 minutes of the games I uh, was the, probably the most one of the worst players ever, just because I was so amped up. <laughs> passes, my passes were off, harder than they were supposed to be. And I remember one of my old coaches, Bruce Arena, You kind of went, Frank, your first 10 minutes, you get the ball, just kick it out of balance for the first time get your, <laughs> get, your ner- get your nerves out, make sure you kick it out in there and get your nerves out it's okay to to be all right, but I was just so pumped up, but after those first ten minutes, the game would calm down you, the fans and everything kind of just would come together and then then it was game on but man it's a, it's a it's a tough way to explain like how you feel during during that moment. The only thing I can say is I was as amped up as I could be and just and just ready to go and um you know I had to be held back and a little bit you know coaches would say hey don't don't foul anyone in the first 10 minutes Frankie we don't need to give you to get a yellow car in the first 10 so it was uh, it, it was always funny right before the games uh, when the coaches would you know try to say Frankie we need you to calm down and uh, just chill a little bit but uh, that's easier said than done
0: yeah I, I'm sure it is and you know something I've I've thought about with you know some of the new additions coming into the team there you know every year there's always going to be some ins and outs you know guys coming in see how they fit in you you've been a captain on teams in MLS. You obviously captain the two thousand eight team. So what is the difficulty Jonathan Mensa faces or any of the leadership group on this team, the guys who have been here a while, in a new player comes in and he's taken over a position for a guy that you know you might have been friends with or you might have really liked, and now that guy's playing somewhere else. How how difficult is that and, and what kind of things did you do as a captain to try to help keep that cohesion and that bond fostered in the locker room, especially with so many guys from you know, various parts of the world? How what have you seen, you know, as a player when you weren't a captain and, and when you were, what did you do that you think may have helped in that way?
2: Well, I just tried to make everyone feel as comfortable as possible. You know, I, I like to party a little bit, so we would make it a, a thing. You know, um, once every two weeks or whatever, that um, someone would either have a, a barbecue at their house or a party at their house or whatever, and each uh, each nationality was kind of bringing their own food to to the barbecue. So it was. It was. We tried to make it a family, and um, we would. I would have speeches before uh, before games or before the year started, and say, "Hey guys, this is all. This is us. It's not one person in it together. This is all of us in it together. This is a family. This is a crew, and that's. Um, and it was true, and because you know you hang out with the guys in the locker room more than you do with your family at home, and and that's true. It really is. You're traveling on the road with them. You're doing everything, and for the new guys, um, it's always difficult. You know, I was. I was over to Germany, and man, I remember going over there, and it was in a whole different locker room than I was used to in America. Here, it's you know, there's music blasting, everyone's trying to make uh, each other uh, comfortable, and that's what I really loved about you know, MLS and Major League Soccer and, and soccer in general was that camaraderie with the team. And when I, re- I remember going over to Germany, it was the opposite. I remember thinking that people were going to come in when I came into the locker room, hey, hey, man, what's going on? How you doing? I remember I went into that locker room. It was dead silence. Mm. Everyone's looking at the ground. I kind of come in, and I'm like, whoa, what's going on? Hey, guys. I remember these guys shaking my hands like they wanted to kill me, like looking up at me, like you said, like, hey, dude, you're trying to take my job. This is, And that was a little bit crazy for me because I never really experienced that. So here in MLS, I think it's, it's a bit different. We are much more uh, open arms in, in, in bringing the players in and, and how we treat, uh, say, a foreigner or, or whatever. Um, it, it, it's, a, it, it's, it's a love here, man. I'm telling you, it's, it's in that locker room, in that crew locker room, and from what I've seen with this new team, um, and I, you know, I'm not always in the locker room, but there's a lot of love in that locker room. The guys are laughing. The guys are having fun, um, and that's part of it. That's part of uh, becoming a winning team and becoming a winner, winning culture. Now, the competition aspect of it, that's always going to be, you know, that's, that's on the field. Once it's off the field, whoever plays, whoever starts, the coach's decision, but i I, I always made it a, a you know a thing just to make sure everyone had a high five or everyone was coming to the party or everyone was coming to the barbecue and and really uh, treating treating the you know the, the foreigners or new guys the best we could and I know for a fact that you know our locker room was as tight as can be after day one so um, i can 't speak for some of the other teams, but I know here in MLS. Our locker room was a lot different than in Germany, um, but uh, yeah, dude, it was. It, it, I tried to make everyone as comfortable as possible. Jokes in the locker room. Everyone got a, a day where they could play their music in their locker room, and guys would laugh because some guys would play stupid music or some guys would <laughs> play, you know. So we tried to who, make. Can it I a, can yeah. I ask you,
0: Frankie? Who had the who? Do you remember anyone where it was like their day and they just put on something that everyone was like, "What? What is coming out of these speakers?"
2: Oh uh, man, I think. Uh, well, um, who Chad Marshall, I think, one time, he came he came in and he was he was a joker, dude, you know, so he would come up with some crazy music and no one would ever, you know, some Polska music. He'd be like, <laughs> It was his day and then we'd be listening to he would he would torture to the uh, training room with Polska music and we'd just be like, Oh my god So I would try to make his days less and less um each month, so <laughs> <laughs>
0: And he just suddenly started cutting those out and be like, "No, nah, it's not going to be your day. We're we're not listening." To
2: well, yeah. Well, he did the Polska music, and then he would, as he was doing that, he would come through with a naked cartwheel in front of everyone, and <laughs> you just get this, you just get this ass in your face as you were like looking down, reading your paper, and you look up, and there's just a uh, just a sight you don't want to see in the first thing in the morning. I mean, so it's a whole a, it's a
1: whole new meaning to the uh, the musical instrument accordion, I would assume. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Actually, I don't uh, know if people yeah, know yeah. that about you, but Frankie, you're you're like a coffee and newspaper guy, or at least you were, right, for many years. That was oh, I, like oh, have your espresso, oh. have your your paper. You like to get into that, right?
2: Oh yeah, I'd, I mean, before each game, I'd have you know, I would say eight shots of espresso <laughs> and two five hour energies. So I was I already had like ten hours of energy before the game even started, you know. So.
0: <laughs> and it's a wonder you didn't kick the ball head. out of the stadium some of those like on those first touches when bruce arena told you like just kick it out of bounds you're like i kicked it to saturn actually it's out of here it's out of <laughs> orbit
2: Totally. I had another funny story with him. He was right before one of the World Cup games in uh, 2002. We were I was in the locker room and everyone's getting ready for the game. Nervous as anything. We're getting ready to play Portugal, who's you know one of the best teams in in Europe at that time. I think they qualified first in their division and they had Luis Figo and all these uh, superstar guys. And everyone's pretty nervous. It was the first game of the World Cup, you know, against one of these huge teams and. We're getting ready in the locker room and Bruce Arena brings us together, you know, for the final speech. Everyone's in a circle and I was in the bathroom and he's like, he's like Where's Frankie? Where everyone's where's Frankie? I'm like, Oh, I'm in the bathroom in the bathroom and I come back and he goes he runs in, he goes, I saw I coach going to the bathroom. He goes, Frankie I'd rather have you shit yourself now than on the field. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that, the whole, it, it, it broke the ice on that locker room because you could hear a pin drop. And then right then, everyone laughed. Everyone cracked up. And it was just a typical cool manager thing that loosened up the locker room right before. Not, not in that regard, but you know what I mean. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but it definitely – it. and then you guys went out and ended uh, some of Portugal's hopes and dreams right there, which was one of the best victories in U.S. men's national team history. I've always wondered that with Bruce Serena because we, we've given him crap on the show because, you know, his public persona, he seems like he's a bit of a uh, curmudgeon, mm-hmm. maybe to put it lightly but yep. I assume that so many guys that have played for him for so many years seem to really like enjoy playing for him. I mean, he, he, he obviously wasn't totally like that in the locker room, right? You just kind of hinted at it there.
2: No, no. I mean, he just, he just knew how to how to pump up a team and how to get everyone serious at the right moment or get everyone joking at the right moment. And he was, his, his, his meanings and ways were, uh, were unbelievable. The things that he said were, it was, you know, almost one-offs just like that. But it, we would crush the locker room and make everything good so he was uh what a good dude um great coach and man so much respect for him and now he's doing it again in new england so hopefully we can kick those guys ass
0: more of our chat with frankie hadick coming up next we will be talking about the left back position what's going to happen at the outside backs pedro santo's going to be able to hang That and more from Frankie Haddock as we continue to preview the 2022 Columbus Crew season right here on Bone & Beam United, brought to you by Zaftik Italian Village. Welcome back to Bone & Beam United. All right, more of our conversation with the legend, the dude, Frankie Hadick as we preview the 2022 Columbus Crew season.
1: Talking about, you know, leading a team and everything in your leadership, and I thought it was awesome having guys over to your house for a party, barbecue, whatever. Just for my personal interest, how does the the language barrier work, right? I mean, are these guys coming here learning English? Like, when you went to Germany, did you have to learn German? Is there a common language that spoke uh, on the field in terms of the team, or are guys basically interpreting what you're saying, saying it to teammates who maybe uh, aren't brushed up on their English? I've just, I've always been fascinated uh, with the dichotomy of international players when it comes to that dude
2: it, it, it was hard when i was like to speak out for me when i went over to germany man it was i thought everyone was good you know german uh, english is their second language over there a lot of those countries speak it um and they speak it really good but I, when i was in germany they didn't really want to speak it and as it, i had no idea of the language going over there which is a little bit naive by me to be honest because I never thought, like, hey, I'm going to have to listen to this coach explain a drill that I'm going to have no idea <laughs> what he's saying or talking about. So you basically had to hope uh, uh, one of the guys in the team would tell you what the coach was saying because you, I mean, you literally, I mean, he's speaking straight German the whole time and not even, not even trying to go, hey, Frankie, do you understand the drill? They don't care about that. They were, you, you better understand the drill. or You're going to get it really quick. But there were many times where I had to. Uh, a good buddy, his name was Tommy Reichenberger. He was my age at the time, and he was a German guy He spoke perfect English. And the coach would say something like, "Hey, this drills, you know, you play it two touch or three touch," or and my buddy, of course, would always tell me the opposite touch of what it was. So the drill would start, <laughs> and it was supposed to be a one-touch drill, and touches, and uh, the coach, oh, Frankie, and I look over at Tommy, and he just these smile and this this little grimace so you kind of mess with each other a little bit um but when it's time to be serious you you, you are and you you know it is it's not easy it, I mean it took me um and you know, I took cr- classes over there in in Germany they they provided classes and all that so I did that for about six months and didn't learn a thing and then eventually just ended up uh, <laughs> learning it basically basically on my own just from being there for a certain time and um, I know the CMO opportunities happen here in MLS. They give the guys English lessons and or whatever lessons they need. And um, but you kind of just, for me, I just learned the language by just being around it every day. So it did. It was it wasn't easy. That was probably one. It's a great, great, great question because that was probably one of the most difficult things. Uh, getting used to, for me over there, and I'm sure it is for guys coming over here. Is is the language barrier and, and understanding the drills and what the coach wants, and that's a it's a tough deal. So, and that's also kind of a captain's job as well, is to help those guys through it and make sure you're not telling them to take two touches when it's supposed to be one touch, or you know what I mean. So, um, yeah, that, it, it was an interesting dynamic, and it's never easy. It takes. It takes a year, it takes a year, man. It really does just to not only get into the, the the different playing style but get get used to the people around you and the language. Yeah, it's 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 not an easy thing. It really isn't.
0: Let's um let's talk a little bit about uh the outside All backs right. on this team because obviously, you know, a couple guys leaving in the off season, two really big important pieces, you know, Milton Valenzuela and Harrison Offel, Steven Marrera played last year and I thought played really well in the limited action that he got towards the end of the season where he started to come in and be a part of things he's going to be counted on at your old spot on right back and then Pedro Santos who has been a fixture of this team on the wing for many many years he's put in some good shifts at left back over the last few seasons when they've needed him to now that's going to be his full-time job I guess let's talk about Pedro like What's this transition going to be like for him, and, and you know how's he taking to that
2: well i mean Pedro's such a good pro for one um and uh, he knows what he's doing out there i mean he, if there's any position that you know and uh, you want to have like a good touch on the ball, which was uh, normally very difficult for me but for for Pedro he's got a good touch he's got good vision, he can whip in a good ball all the offensive qualities are there for him to go forward and as our uh, in our system our outside backs are flying forward a lot and getting the balls in as you know you guys know so for Pedro the the offensive side of the ball is not going to be it actually i think helps us It gives us a um, not like Milton wasn't uh, an attacking uh, left back as well, but there's not too big of a difference between milton and and Pedro in terms of their attacking uh, prowess going forward now the, the thing is is hey they're defenders right um, and that's going to be the the, the biggest thing for, for Pedro. How can he adapt positionally uh, when someone's taking him on one-on-one? Does he does he know the right angle to go in at? Does he know when that he needs to be tough and hard? Because um, with Pedro, he's not, you know, he's, he, he's, he likes to dance around the ball and he's mm-hmm. skilled and he, he plays with it. He's not a, a real tackler, you know, where on the other side, the other guy, the right back is, he's a tackler, you know, and he's, he's a different style, but um, – He's going to have to learn that, and that's going to be a, a little time. But, you know, he's been in this game for so long now. Um, he's played He played left back growing up with his club team uh, a bit, so it's not out of the ordinary for him too much. Um, but, you know, there's definitely going to be a little uh, – an adaption phase, and, um, you know, that's what they're going to be working on more so than anything him uh, with him is, is just his defes- defensive positioning um, and when he needs to go out and win the ball, when he needs to be calm, let the guy take him on. Um, those are going to be the two kind of ma- major things. But uh, with in this system, with us going forward and those attacking left backs, man, he's going to get some assists this year. Um, and uh, I, I can't wait to see him because he's quick. He's got a good touch. He li- likes to uh, g- uh, get around people. Um, but, you know, definitely he's going to need some help defensively. And, you know, that's where – Some of those center backs might have to, you know, um, do a little bit more for him and cover a little bit more for him in the beginning. But I I think um, throughout the season you're going to see him adapt fine. And uh, I I can't wait to see it, to be honest. Well,
0: one thing on that note, sorry, Beam, I was going to ask, do you think there's a formational, you know, flexibility there where maybe there's three guys in the back and Pedro's playing more as like an extended midfielder? I mean, could you see some of that tactically – Depending on the situation, I don't think there's you know going to be like a permanent change there. But does that seem like something you could see Caleb Porter doing, or not so much?
2: Um, definitely. I mean, I think it's going to be like a transition. They're going to see how Pedro does in that back four. You know, obviously they want to play a back four, but you know if they can't find that left back or something, then. They, they definitely have um, the ability and the guys in the back to switch to a three Pedro could still get up and down that, that left flank if they're, you know, and it almost sometimes becomes a back five when you're p- playing a back three like that. So right, yeah. I can see them. Yeah. I, I could definitely see them doing that. It's not my favorite style to play really. Cause like I said, it's that's kind of more of your bunkering in and you, you're asking the left, the uh, left midfielder to do so much running up and down that, that wing that it could, you know, um, it, it's, It becomes, like I said, defensively, it shifts almost to a back five. So You
0: you didn't like playing in a back three, but in the 98 World Cup, which was a mostly disaster, you were like the best player on that. (laughs) You had like an excellent World Cup playing in a 3-6-1 or whatever the hell Sampson was running out there, right? Like you did have a good World Cup, didn't you?
2: Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. But, uh, man, your legs after that cup were done because you run. And luckily, that that was – that was something that I could do. It was run. You know, I could go up and down all day long. So for me, it wasn't difficult, but it's a tough position to play. You don't get the ball as much as you want and you end up just doing a lot of running. And that's why in that world cup, when, when I got the ball, I was like, dude, I'm not giving it up. I'm just going to dribble until (laughs) someone fouls me or takes it away from me. Because in that position, you really don't get that chance, that many chances on the ball. You're more almost a defensive guy. Um, but, yeah, um, I could see us doing that throughout throughout the season. that would probably be more so I think if someone got injured, but um okay. you know uh, any of those ways uh, are fine, but you do do a lot of running when you're when you move to that three kind of uh, five two or three, four three, or whatever it is that outside guy is asked to do way more running than than be on the ball so and I would think we want Pedro on the ball more so than having him run up and down you know he's He's not getting any younger, and the more we can save his his left foot for those great crosses and getting forward, I think, the better.
1: Yeah, and so uh, there's re- renewed energy about this team. I think just everybody being healthy for sure and excited about the season opener. But uh, the, the goal scorers on this team, right? I think Giassi has had an unbelievable career resurgence since coming here to Columbus, and he's been tremendous. Last year, Miguel Berry came on the scene like a wrecking ball and was just incredible. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting for Caleb. I don't know whether he's going to split time between the two. Who's going to get the start? if they're going to play them both at the same time i'm not really sure um but you look at those two guys and the supplies that you're getting like you mentioned from pedro or from zellerion nagby artur in the midfield um what do you think the upper echelon for this team offensively looks like this year
2: i mean i'm excited about it man you have you have two now you know i would say miguel very is a proven goal scorer Mm -hmm. after last year you know um so you have two of those guys that you know, at any moment, can get you 15 to 20 goals a season. You know, I, I think, I think going to have a 14, 15 goal season this year, and uh, as Giassi as, J- as well. Um, and, and, you know, Jossie might be going to, to some of the national team games. So to have Miguel, as you know, as a backup, I guess, because uh, for me he's even a star, he, uh, he could start. He's, he's that good and he had that great of a year. And I like everything that he does. I like his passing. I like his finishing ability. I like his running off the ball. I like his defensive work. Um, both those guys have very similar qualities in, in, in what they do. So I can't wait to see how that how that pans out, and like we said, we, we could see them maybe playing a few games uh, up top together, and that'd be very interesting to see now, um, with, especially with some of these the, the new guys coming in, Yaboa, ja, mm-hmm. you know obviously the guy coming in from the Polish uh, first division, this guy he, he's pacey, he 's quick, he runs up and down, he has good feet, he has good dribbling ability, great taking people on, has a great left foot, can finish. Um, you know, I see him, you know, coming in from the right and just tearing, the, tearing it up inside, you know. And then on the other side, we'll see who goes, you know. Is it Luis Diaz, is it who, who is a dare. But we're definitely going to have speed on those outsides and guys that like to take people on one-on-one. And um, that, that's an upgrade, I think, you know, from last year. Because uh, obviously last year, um, if there was anything that wasn't really working for us um, a little bit, it was the, you know, the wing play. You know, we weren't getting a lot of goals or a lot of assists coming from the wings which in this system that's what those guys are expected to do so um you know i think this you know you is is a great addition it's going to put more competition even on the outside guys who's going to play um and i think we're going to see a lot more balls coming in from from wide uh positions that are going to be scored goals this year so that that's a definite upgrade i can't wait to see him play i've seen him play uh enough on all the tapes and games that I've watched him in Poland and exciting player man really exciting player and um definitely we've upgraded our offense this year for sure
0: we uh we've talked quite a bit about coaches we talked to uh, you know about you know guys that you've played for over the years Bruce Arena to Siggy Schmidt who I know you you loved and obviously we all miss um but you know Caleb Porter comes in and he's got his name now kind of being said in in the same circles as those guys with some of the success he's had at the MLS level. You know, what are your impressions of, you know, Caleb as you see him around the building and the stuff that you've seen from him and and what do you expect kind of this year, you know, going forward? This is uh, you know, came in pretty good start to your career to win an MLS Cup, you know, as early as he did here with the crew. Now, now we're into it a little bit, had a little bit of a down year last year. What do you think the response is from Caleb Porter and this coaching staff in twenty twenty two?
2: Well, I mean, you've seen Caleb's intense, man. I'm, i I know for a fact he, he's so he's so pissed about last year. He wants to prove that, let, that it was a fluke, and he's an intense guy. You've seen him on the sideline; he's all on, like he's yelling at people. It's the same way at training. He, dude, he goes nuts in training. I mean, dude, those trainings, when I'm watching, um, dude, they're they are intense. He is that intense coach. Likes one-on-one battles. Likes guys fighting, kind of on the field against each other, giving it their all. Likes. people. people. People slide tackling hard, even in training, even in the games. He is an intense coach. He gets pissed. He gets fired up. And it, it kind of it, it goes through to the players, man. You could see that. I I like everything about him. I like what he's done. Um, you know, he, he, he's not always the, the greatest guy to other coaches. I know a lot of other coaches probably don't like them, but he's a coach. That <laughs> that's I all right. We like
0: that. That's good. I, I yeah, that's one of my favorite things that he does.
2: <laughs> that's what I say. That that's a coach that I like, dude. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't like uh, you know the handshakes, high five, coaches and doing all that. No, dude, it's it's game on. You do that after the game, but he's. He's as intense as they come, and I think he's as intense as they come uh, as a coach that I've seen here in in uh, in Columbus. You know, he he has that little chip uh, on his shoulder, um, and he's still young. You know, he's uh, he's young man, and he, he he's fiery, and he already you know he has a, a couple of MLS cups already by, under his back. He's he's a legend in and um, uh, was at um, Akron. Did uh, I mean his resume speaks for itself and. Um, I was interested when he came to see what this resume was all about and how he does it. Now I I've kind of see that. He is just an intense guy. He demands the best out of the players day in and day out. Um, and then off the field, super cool guy. So um, I can't wait to see what he's going to do this season because, like I said, I know just from talking to him around the building, and he's, he's pumped up. He was pissed at last year. He couldn't believe it last year, and I was kind of hey man, you guys had the target on your back. You know, it's not a never an easy year when you have the target on your back after winning a championship, and you know, like we, you guys said earlier with injuries, it didn't go well. So he's he's as pumped up as can be that I've seen him in in the, in the two years, three years since he's been here, um, and I think it's it's trickling out over to the team, and the team is uh, from what I've seen again. They want to get this, this this year started. They're ready to go, dude. They're like, like I said, there they, there was a bitter taste in everyone's mouth from last year because we knew they were a better team than than you know not making the playoffs, man. They could have made a run in the playoffs again if they would have made the playoffs. They had that type of a team, and to not make it there, I know all those guys can't wait to get back out there, and I can't wait to get back out there and cheer for them, dude. And I know you guys too, so we're I'm pumped, dude. I can't wait. Oh, yeah, every, everybody's blast, pumped. Man.
1: Everybody's pumped about everybody's it. Pumped. I mean, I'm going to have a beer blanket on, so I'm already pumped about that. And the fact that I get to watch a pissed-off Caleb Porter and pissed-off crew team, like, sign me up every day of the week.
0: Let's go, dude. Let's go. All right, man. Well, Frankie, we appreciate the time as always, bro. It's it's great talking with you. And, uh, yeah, all good things in 2022 for you and the crew.
2: Dude, I can't wait to have a brew with you guys when you get there. Nice cheers. I'll be, out, I'll be out, uh, with you guys uh, in the pub after the game and – Hopefully we just sleep there and then we can we can have a
0: <laughs> sleep yeah, there until a, the next Sounds game. like a plan. At. I could do that for sure. We'll that do. sounds good, man. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again, Frankie. Take care, man.
2: Thank you, guys, bro. Good talking to you guys. Can't wait to see you. Columbus, let's get ready to rock this year. we got a team. We're going to get ready to rock and roll, bros. Let's go. Love you guys. Right.
0: What a class dude, man. Frankie Haydock, a legend in every way you can use that word. U.S. Men's National Team, Columbus Crew, Beamer so we recorded that interview with Frankie we had a great time talking to him and then we stopped the recording mm-hmm. we were saying our goodbyes and I and I had said a thank you to him cuz 2002 he brought up Luis Figo and you know, playing against Portugal in that World Cup. Yeah, it's my fault for stopping the recording, too, because we were oh, like, oh, no, no. Because this, this
1: is what we do. Um, by the way, like, we'll get the guests off and then chat with them a little bit before we come on the air and start recording. And then afterwards, and yes, you were like, hey, thanks for humoring me with, you know, the stories of O2, uh, you know, I was at the stadium, five o'clock, and he, he just unleashed maybe one of the greatest stories I've ever heard in my life.
0: Yeah, we we won't, we're not going to be able to do it justice, but I'll I'll tell you this. Because then he brought up your one of your favorite players. You brought mm-hmm. up Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. And it, if you ever meet Frankie Haydick, like, yes, talk to him about his career because his career is excellent. And if you don't know it, like, maybe I do because I've followed – I was watching all of it. I was watching the 98 World Cup. I was watching the 02 World Cup. I was watching all these crew teams throughout the years he played on and all that, like – but if you don't know it, ask him about his career. Also ask him about the time he played Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> – in a friendly, mm-hmm. where the crew went overseas to play a preseason match against, well, it wasn't even. It was before Manchester United. It was
1: Sporting Lisbon is who wow. they were playing. It was one of the. Ask him about it. If you see Frankie Yeah, yes. just ask him about the time that he played Sporting Lisbon and heard rumors of this kid who was on his way to Manchester United. Just yeah. ask him. Ask him about that. Because you will
0: not, you will not regret it. It was pretty jaw dropping. <laughs> But it's just it's so cool to hear. And I hope you got some of that from what he was telling us, you know, in the recorded part of the interview that, you know, it's so cool to hear a guy who has done that and played against all these legends. It's just cool to hear them talk about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When I went up to get this dude, I wasn't scared of him. I right at him like I didn't didn't bother me. Who cares? Yeah, man. it's Luis just, Figo, best player in the world. He was the... Yes, in 2002, I'm pretty sure he was the FIFA World Player of the Year. And Frankie <laughs> told us how he's just like, yeah, I saw that dude and dropped him on his ass because I wanted to see what he was made of. And he got up and ran across the other side of the field. <laughs> <laughs> and it was what... Yeah, he sure did. Oh, man. That's great. All right. So that's it. Uh, that's, that's basically our crew preview because, I mean, how can you get better than a legend like that breaking down the crew? We will have more podcasty surprises for you coming up those mm-hmm. soon so of course subscribe to bone and beam united wherever you're getting your podcast just hit subscribe on it leave us a review as well and we would greatly appreciate that we will see you out at zaftik italian village here soon our official soccer bar of bone and beam united till next time beamer i hope you have a great weekend and we'll see you guys all hopefully at the pub on uh, saturday after the crew game
1: yeah absolutely man i'm excited about it now uh, before we get out of here what are the chances that one or both of us will be sober doing the post game show
0: um well I have I will it'll be good because I have my my two oldest girls are coming with me okay so they'll be we're gonna watch the game the question may be during the podcast will I be saying things like "All right, so the crew blah blah up hang on no, honey, not right now. Daddy's on the air. Yeah, like, I, I may have to say that. Um, all right, that's it for us. Till next week. Thanks to everyone for listening. It's been Bone and Beam United.